Salutations! Welcome to Apocalypses Now, the comedy podcast where we watch the end of the world over and over again. My hey, that's pretty good. Oh shit! Oh no no no! Damn it! <laughs> My name is Ron, and my name is Morgan. We did that the wrong way around. We no, I like I like it person. that way. I oh, like it great. that way. Yeah. So yeah, this is Apocalypse is now. We uh if this is your first time tuning in, hello, welcome. I would very hello. much recommend you go back from the beginning because a lot of things aren't gonna make sense very soon for you. And you can hear all our outdated cultural references. Yeah. Uh so this is us picking up the steam so that we can hit more episodes more consistently. So yeah. maybe we won't get older and older with uh, each one. Uh, uh. Yeah, exactly. Is there any other exposition we need to give? I mean, I guess we could fully explain the world that we inhabit um, in a very natural way, like all good exposition does. You know, be like, hey, nice to talk to you, my friend Ron, who I oh. have a podcast with. Ah, Morgan, my friend who I have a podcast with. How are you doing with your job as a TikToker, as an actor, as a musician? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. How's the old... Uh, rock climbing gym and slash ghost writing. And I can't remember if you're still doing both of those things. <laughs> you know how it is being a quirky guy with several vocations. It's a lot to juggle at once. Tell me about it, especially in a world that is overrun by capitalism. <laughs> capitalism. Oh boy. Yeah, for, for this episode, uh, if it wasn't clear, Apocalypse is now is the podcast where Morton and I watch a different Apocalypse movie every episode. Uh, for this one, we have watched Everything Everywhere All at Once, the 2022 American absurdist comedy drama film written and directed by Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert, also known as The Daniels. Wow, you're so good at this. Oh, uh, yeah, thanks. I read from Wikipedia really good, well. Good job. <laughs> Nicely recited. Thank um, you. Yeah, welcome to Apocalypse is Now, the, um, the show where we define movies as apocalypse movies um mostly because we really liked them and want to talk about them no this one makes sense this one <laughs> makes sense i swear to god it makes sense i know it does no no that, i feel like that uh, it could be an interesting discussion to have we could start with it or we could get to it at some point um to talk about like how how this qualifies as an apocalypse movie because since we literally just watched it we both watched it in theaters a while back you watch it in a theater right Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, and then we both just rewatched it like t 10 minutes ago, um, yeah. finished watching it. And uh, in those 10 minutes, I've been thinking about like, oh, does this really qualify as an apocalypse movie? Um, and it's been sort of going back and forth on it. And, and I think I do agree. I think I think it's a it's a worthy entry into our canon of, of apocalypse movies. But it is kind of like it's kind of an everything movie, which makes which makes sense, you know. One of my favorite things about watching the movie with you, Morgan, is that in the latter half, uh, every 10 minutes or so, on the other end of the line, I just hear Morgan go, ah. 
just very melancholy just full of melancholy did you did you hear me sniffing because i cried like four times oh yeah i was like man morden's morden's in his feelings love it gotta love it i actually think i cried more watching it the second time just now than i did when i saw it in theaters and i did tear up when i was in theaters but i like legitimately cried a couple times oh so this was only your second time yeah this was only my second watch Uh, of of many in the future i'm sure yeah this was like my fifth or so. The second time I watched it was on a rooftop drive-in theater in downtown Austin, Texas. Ooh, very interesting that sounds way to watch great. It. Yeah, it was very, it was very trippy. Yeah, I bet. Format. So um, if you haven't seen the movie, which would be very surprising, because this movie really blew up. It's an A24 film, but it, it like hit the mainstream hard. Uh, yeah. If you're not familiar with the Daniels, they've got a very impressive body of work. They've done the film uh, Swiss Army Man with Paul Dano and Daniel Radcliffe. And they also did the music video for Turn Down for What, as well as a whole host of other things. But you'll probably recognize those two things first. Yeah. So, Morton, you want to explain the premise of the movie? In one sentence? Oh, God. Yeah, good luck to me. You (laughs) long-winded. Um... See, I took that initially as a like this movie's kind of like well it here's my here's my uh, uh pitch is that it's actually not that complicated. I feel like there were a lot of things after it came out of people being like, "Whoa, this movie's so crazy." And it is, but the concept itself is not that complicated. And see, I'm already being long-winded. Okay. Okay, here, before so- you explain the premise, I swear to God, if your syntax becomes complex compound, I will cut you off. You only have a simple sentence structure, buddy. No commas. Go. Oh, no. Okay. So it's about um, this uh, Chinese-American family. Um, uh, the parents are both um, first-generation gen- uh, first immigrants, um, and uh, their daughter um uh, oh my god i've already lost track and the main character is portrayed by michelle yo and she is the owner of a laundromat her and her husband are the owner of a laundromat and um sort of feeling like her life is kind of dead end uh and then they go to have their taxes reviewed and when they go to have their taxes reviewed um this whole crazy sequence of events pops off where her husband, an alternate version of her husband, um, like pops into her husband's body and tells her that there's this like huge existential threat threatening all of the multiverse because there's multiple parallel universes. Um, and the universe where he's from, they've developed an ability to do what is called verse jumping, where you can sort of like, um, acquire the skills of alternate versions of yourself uh, in order to become a better fighter or, you know, sort of just do whatever. You can acquire all these skills. Uh, and he basically tells her that she is um, the the last great hope for the universe. Uh, and then it kicks off from there. Was that okay? It got complex compound, but it's all right. It's good. Okay. It's good. So, uh, also, if it isn't clear, spoilers. So don't oh, listen yeah. to this if you haven't seen the movie. Uh, but another big part of it is that the threat to the multiverse has manifested itself. It, it is uh, her daughter, Joy. Their daughter, yeah. Joy. Uh, her mind was fractured amongst the multiverse, and now she's become this nihilistic being who yeah. wants to end everything. Called Jobu Tapaki, or 
Juju Puki or like all sorts of other Juju names Chewbacca. That, that the new that uh, uh, Evelyn Kwan is the name of the main character calls calls her throughout the movie. Yeah, and when I first watched the movie and they said Joe Butapati, I was like, oh, this must be some like ancient term. This is something mm-hmm. I don't understand. It's not significance. And I was watching the writers' roundtable recently with Daniel Kwan. And he was explaining the movie to his fellow writers. And he said, Joe Butapachi, which is such a dumb name. <laughs> I was like, no. <laughs> You're too easily impressed, Ron. <laughs> also, while I'm looking at the Wikipedia page. So uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is also in this movie as the IRS yes. agent. She does a great job. You know, I knew her name in the movie was Deirdre. But Morgan, did you know that her full name <laughs> Oh God. Is Deirdre Bobirdra? <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I love these guys. I love the Daniels so much. I was a big fan of uh, of their first movie, Swiss Army Man. So I was really excited for this movie. Um, yeah, when I saw the trailers for it, uh, and oh boy, I was not disappointed. You know, it was the sort of thing where I watched Swiss Army Man. And I was like, that was a really cool really good really unique movie i'm excited to see what they do next and then seeing this movie i was just like oh my god I yeah mean, went from good to amazing like just took a took a major step up from something that was already really cool i'm i'm really impressed with these guys yeah there's something about so in in the golden age of media we're in in film and tv i feel like a lot of viewers are so familiar with i mean daniel kwan talks about this in the writer's roundtable so i'll just kind of crib off of what he was saying he was saying that audiences the modern audience is so familiar with tropes that it Mm -hmm. allows them the ability to then play off and deconstruct tropes in an exciting way and i feel like that's what we really see in their work is, is this exciting injection of playing with tropes because yeah you know most common example, you walk into a Marvel movie, you know how it's going to end, right? And right. that is slowly, I feel like, infecting a lot of other movies that aren't that are in the mainstream that are very commercial. I feel like A twenty four is kind of immune to that at the moment because all yeah. those movies are weird. Yeah, but any mainstream big house studio film, audience member watching, in, they're probably going to know how it ends in the first ten minutes. Yeah, um, and that is not the case with the Daniels films at all. It's a movie that has a lot going on. It's it's constantly throwing stuff at you and it's constantly going back and forth between oh this is absurdist comedy and then suddenly it's a family drama and and now it's an action movie and all of these things are coexisting at the same time which is of course perfect for what the movie is about which is this idea of the multiverse and parallel universes and all this stuff. But it's also a method I saw them talking about that they sort of an ethos that they have in their filmmaking, which is this idea of breaking down the audience's inherent like cynicism. Like you were talking about this idea that, Oh, I know what's going to happen. Or like, I know what the tropes are. I know how narratives usually work. And so that sort of maximalist style of filmmaking is, in a way, their way of breaking down the audience's barriers and being like, hey, feel something, <laughs> you know, um, which I think is is really, really cool. And it's also something that is very, very of the time that they're, that they're living in. That's another thing that I really like about them is I feel like they 
couldn't be making the movies they make any other time than now. Like they feel of this era, but also very universal. And I think that's really impressive. Yeah. I thought you were going to talk about the turducken. The turducken. So in the round table, Daniel. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. I just watched that recently. He said that he and the other Daniel likes to approach things as a turducken, which is to take a joke or an idea and, you know, put a hat on the hat and a hat on that hat and a hat on that hat and a hat on that hat and keep going. And you go all the way back to the person wearing the hat and you realize they were a hat too. Um, yeah. So that's pretty much what you were talking about. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, they could definitely use their powers for evil very easily. Like, can you imagine the commercials they could make? Oh, yeah. I'm going to use this as a jumping off point, actually, to talk about like the the humor of them, which I feel like could be perceived as sort of sophomoric sometimes, but I think is, again, just genuinely absurdist. And I really enjoy how it coexists with other things because it's this idea of something doesn't have to be all serious to be meaningful. And sometimes like the most ridiculous things are the things that feel the most true. There's a quote actually. So Dimension 20 is this Dungeons and Dragons role-playing show, but the person who is in charge of that is this guy named Brennan Lee Mulligan. And he's just like this really smart guy and he'll be giving interviews and talking about, again, Dungeons and Dragons and just like whip out the most, just like the hardest quotes you've ever heard in your life, just like the most real shit. And something he said in an interview one time, just like totally off the cuff was profundity and absurdity are deeply in love. Um, Ooh, right. Um, and I think that encapsulates this movie and the Daniels in, Daniels in general is this idea of, yeah, like, something ridiculous and something deeply meaningful are like deeply connected because life is ridiculous and also meaningful. Well, there is this, there's something about the movie that started to verge on the romantic for me. And it it touched this button for me because I've had this problem with, with seeing life very romantically. Mm -hmm. Um, I like this book called everything matters by Ron Curry jr. The idea of the book is that, uh, this person is born, and as soon as they have any kind of sentience, they're told by these voices when the world is going to end, when the apocalypse is going to come. And they're telling this person this so that they can live their life trying to figure out, is there a meaning to anything I do? And the ultimate answer, spoiler alert for the book, is that everything matters. And mm-hmm. there's the same energy. I mean, this is everything everywhere all at once. And there's something very true to that, but also something for me that is a, it's dangerous because it's like romantic. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, I feel like it's weird to say something that's romantic is, a, is, is dangerous for me, but it's like, instead of being able to, I feel like the point of the movie, or I feel like one way you could see this movie is to take things as they are. And if you blow it up mm-hmm. a bit, a bit romantically, it's like, oh, like. <sighs> are you, are you saying that the movie is saying to just take things that they are and to not blow up things romantically? Or do you think the movie is romanticizing something? Or like I'm abandoning this point. Normalcy. <laughs> I'm leaving you alone Goodbye. on this island. Goodbye. I'm sailing <laughs> off. Hey, have fun with that conversation, Morgan. <laughs> have a good time. I'm getting in the elevator and I'm going down to the street and I'm walking away. Can we just like shout out some like, first of all, the performances. Mwah. I mean... So good. 
Cade. Uh, oh my god, I'm gonna. I should just look up how to correctly pronounce. No, it's okay, Morton. Take your best shot. No. <laughs> um, I think it's something akin to Kehi Kwan, um, who is who plays uh, Wayman Wang, um, the husband of the main character, is just fantastic, and he played um short round in the second indiana jones movie and then he was in the goonies and then he basically didn't act for like 20 years um because he uh, as he tells it there would just were no good roles like he just couldn't he couldn't get cast in anything that he actually wanted to do uh as an agent actor in hollywood um and uh and this is like his first role back in 20 years and he kills it he's so good i just gotta shout that out he's so good and he should win an oscar and all of them should win oscars and this movie should win a bunch of oscars he's very lovable i mean there i feel like this was a dream for a lot of um the asian community in america who wanted more representation in media yeah because on one hand like it very uh, uh for those of you who don't know i'm filipino so it's not like i'm some non-asian person <laughs> be like this is amazing for asian people <laughs> congrats um, to them but like on one hand you have this very authentic feeling representation of this uh asian family and the immigrant experience mm-hmm. and intergenerational conflict and trauma right like as as the son of asian immigrants i was like oh yeah they really do be calling you fat when they mean to say i love you <laughs> like that really does that really does happen yeah. um and on the other hand they also have this room not just to portray the the trauma and the pain but hand in hand to have a lot of fun. Like this movie yep. is ridiculous and fun and weird. And yep. suddenly it expands what Hollywood sees as possible for Asian yep. actors. Yep. I saw the movie with my brother and his girlfriend and we all loved it. And one of the things that he said was before anything crazy starts happening, you are already invested in the movie. Like if that movie had just been about this family trying to run a laundromat and like repair their relationships you're watching that those first 10 15 minutes however long it takes before things start going wackadoo and you're already invested in it you're already invested in the story you're already invested in these characters in their lives um and that i think lays the foundation for all the shit that then goes down um oh yeah we're back to the turducken right it's not like yeah it's not like each part of it is half-baked and the only reason it's good is because you put it all together. No, this is peak multiverse fiction. Because you got these other... I remember, oh man, I remember when this first came out, it was around the time Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness came out. Yeah, yeah, And this yeah. whooped Doctor Strange's ass. Like Kick that it. can't even hold it. Marvel cannot hold a candle with its saga to what the Daniels did within one film, which I no, think is... No, not at all. Yeah. Because what they did was they confronted the emotional reality of what a multiverse would mean which none of those other movies do like for for those other movies the the multiverse is just a vehicle to have three spider-men or to have a zombie doctor strange or whatever and that's fine and that's fun but it's not it's not the same as being like we're going to actually be like okay what if you did what if you did know that there were like billions of alternate versions of you 
what would that do to you? It would probably fuck you up. <laughs> and yeah, then they I remember... also use in uh, on the inverse of that, they use the concept of a multiverse to confront a very personal thing, you know? Yeah. How how often do you think about your what ifs? Because that's that's what this movie's talking about, right? It's like it's all this movie's <laughs> so the reason Eve, Liz Evelyn is is the protagonist is because Alphaverse Wayman says, You have so many failures, you are so bad at everything that all you think about is what ifs, which means you can access all of your multiversal selves really easily. Yeah. Uh do you think about your what ifs? Honestly, I don't think about them as much as I would think that I would based on my like personality. Like there's certain things that I think about, you know, what if I hadn't done that? What if I had done something differently? What would my life be like now? And then I think of, I follow the causality of that and I go, Oh, but if I hadn't done that, then I wouldn't have done this later. And I wouldn't have done that. And I wouldn't be where I am now and I wouldn't be who I am now. And I can counter that by being like, oh, but I would have experienced other things that I can't imagine because I didn't experience them. But that doesn't really have a huge impact on me. So, yeah, weirdly, for a person for a person who is like a, a just a perpetual guilt machine, uh, I actually don't often think back and go, "Ooh, what have I done that? How about you? Uh, I have a similar answer. I used to really, really dig in deep on my regret and guilt, and it's really improved a lot over the last couple of years. It's yeah. now more so in micro moments where mm-hmm. I'll mm-hmm. order a bagel and I'll get cream cheese and then I'll like stand there paralyzed like, fuck, they don't want strawberry cream cheese. <laughs> oh, is it too late for me to say something? Oh, oh no, I'm stuck yeah, with yeah, yeah. cream cheese. The rest of my day after that kind of point is is usually ruined. Because like four hours, <laughs> four hours later, I'll be like, "Fuck, should have gotten that strawberry cream cheese." Gotten that goddamn strawberry cream cheese. Speaking of bagels, very prominently featured in this movie, bagels. Oh man, totally forgot. Yeah, so uh, Joy or Jobu Tapaki says that she took everything, literally, literally everything in existence, and put it on a bagel, and it helped her realize that nothing mattered. So mm-hmm. the the th- the apocalyptic threat in this movie is an everything bagel. Mm-hmm. It's basically a black hole. Here's where we get into the crux of the apocalypse thing. Obviously, there is an apocalyptic threat in that Joe Butapaki is like going through all these different worlds and sort of like destroying them as she goes. But in the end, it turns out that Joy or Joe Butapaki is not really trying to destroy everything she's trying to destroy herself there's part of me that feels like if at the end of the movie she stepped into the bagel i'm not sure that like the bagel would then consume everything else well here's my thinking is that let's say the the bagel the everything bagel swallows jobu tapaki up Mm -hmm. i don't think it just goes away so now there's if anything there's no one to control it Mm -hmm. and it's not going to stop at just sucking up Joe Butapaki. Yeah. So that's how I could see it being an apocalyptic threat. Yeah, that's fair. So another really fun thing uh, about the movie is this idea that the way that you verse jump is by doing something completely unexpected. Um, And that's something that they have a lot of fun with because they just come up with really ridiculous things that people have to do. 
um, like make paper cuts in between all of your fingers or very famously jump on an award that that looks (laughs) that is just a butt plug. You see it earlier in the it's Chekhov's butt plug. You see it earlier in the movie and you're like, that is going to go in somebody's butt. Because it looks just <laughs> like a butt plug, and then it does. Uh, if you were to try to verse jump at this moment, just like using whatever is in the space that you're in right now to do something that would be so unexpected that you would be able to verse jump, what would you do? Deep throat my mic. No, because that's the. That's, <laughs> that's the too first... obvious. I feel like yeah, that's too obvious. Came to mind right away uh let me think let me think let me think put a put a candle up my nose no uh see uh, this goes to show how good the writing is because this is actually not not easy to think of something that is genuinely unexpected i'd hey i found it i'd uh i'd uh, i'd apply to engineering school (laughs) (laughs) i really like that actually (laughs) it's like it's like unexpected but weirdly normal <laughs> like it's like a weirdly normal weird thing to do yeah what, what about what about you i like you i was just looking around the room trying to figure that out it's not think of someone who isn't you and what is something that they might do normally and maybe that'll yeah. give you <laughs> wait sorry okay so I have to do a thing that is completely unexpected and out of character for me. Yeah. Okay. I'm just going to go reply to all my emails. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. Okay, fine. Fair enough. Oh, okay. If if you're, if a different version of you accessed you for your abilities, what would they get? I mean, probably music stuff. You sound so I, bummed out. I have such yeah, a beautiful voice, you guys. It's such a bummer. <laughs> no, I wonder. I wonder. The thing more for me is like, yeah, like they could access me to like be able to play certain instruments or whatever. But I would love like, how would somebody use me in like an action movie context? One of Evelyn's selves was a singer, and she used her capacity for air in her lungs. Yeah, that's true. That's so true. I thought that's that's a creative application. I yeah, mean, there's something true. you play a lot of different instruments, so maybe there's something to multitasking. And... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe that's it. Yeah, I would say like multitasking, manual dexterity, maybe calluses. What about you? Uh, well, I like to climb. So. Oh yeah. See, something now that's with... a good one. Well, I don't really know how that would work in a fight. I mean, if they're like trying to climb, then yeah, literally one to one. Yeah. Uh, what does climbing give you? It gives you. I mean, I still good suck grip, at this. Grip strength? Grip strength, that's a good one. So there's something about proprioception, which is basically a body awareness, but I still suck at that. <laughs> um, but we'll say, say proprioception. Proprioception. Whoa. Yeah, we had to, I'm, I worked in programs and they were doing like a slideshow of all the skills we should be teaching climbers and they had proprioception and every single one of us raised our hands like, hey, what's that mean? What is, Does that mean what is that, that I can work? see the future? Like, what is that spidey <laughs> sense? What is that? Uh, but yeah, grip strength, proprioception. Um, I think climbers did enough for now. Yeah, yeah, I think that's very good. In the world of this movie, right? There's close universes and there's far universes, right? There's universes where it only took a couple changes in your life for that universe to come about. In a close universe, 
what do you think is a skill that you might have had but you don't that you would want to access uh i think in a close universe i would have been more of an athlete mm-hmm. but so like i picked up a lot of stuff when i was a kid like i did swimming i did roller skating i did mm-hmm. basketball i did soccer but uh I felt a lot of shame at not being good at those things, even though it's mm, normal mm-hmm. for you to not be good at things when you start them. So I dropped a lot of them. Yeah. But if I hadn't dropped them, I'd imagine I'd be a lot more athletic, coordinated, have all of those different skills. Yep. Uh, what about you? I mean, it's, it's probably same, honestly. Like I've done, <laughs> I've done very little athletic things <laughs> in my life. Um, so really stick. Oh, you know what it would be? Hmm. I took... I've taken actually like a a fair number of dance classes in my life, but I've never stuck with any of them. I did tap. I did ballet for a little while. I did um, Irish step dancing. And boy, oh boy, if I could access a world where I actually know how to dance in like any of those styles. Oh boy, would I verse jump so quickly. Um, and you know the other thing that I immediately thought of? Hmm. If I had, it, uh, I would love to access a world where I had stuck with learning any foreign language. I was just about to say, I feel like that's one I would really love is I've been really fascinated with language recently. Yeah. And there are so many skills that I personally feel like there's so much gratification in the learning of them, like yep. sports, musical instruments. Um but the the slog of getting ma- I see it as a slog of mastering a language yeah. is just something that really intimidates me. Yeah. Um, well, it's so- also the thing that I think about in regards to dancing and learning a language is those are things where if you start when you're a kid, it's yeah. much, 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 much easier to master them. So it's like, I know that I can still pursue those things. It's just going to be harder. So I I honestly did that with climbing now even. So I've been climbing almost two years now and I'll be working a problem. And I've gotten a lot better than when I started, but I'll be working a problem. I'll get halfway up. I'll be like, damn. And I fall off. I'm like, oh. And then I watch a kid do it. And I swear to God, Morden, every single kid who does it gets up, aces it, jumps down, looks at me like, you old piece of shit. <laughs> you, you couldn't do that? You must be 47. <laughs> Yeah, that is the tough thing. Is it's like there's there's some things where it feels like if you if you didn't start them earlier, it's already too late. And even even the perception of that keeps me from trying to do them now because I'm just like, oh well, I'll I'll never be as good as I want to be because i didn't start mm. doing this earlier that dominated my mentality in my early 20s oh i passed my early 20s oh. <laughs> <laughs> just wait it only gets worse um that dominated my mentality in my early 20s and now that i'm 25 i've been able to sincerely take up things that intimidated me before for that very mm-hmm. reason um like the other day i like bought a soccer ball and mm-hmm. i was just like I'm just kick, kick a ball around. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not going to be Lionel Messi, but there's yep. nothing wrong with me taking up an interest. Yeah. Um, as I whispered to myself, just like, fuck, I want to be Lionel Messi so bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's tough. And I guess that those are, those are the kind of regrets that are easy to fixate on because 
they feel like you can't do them in the same way now, or you have that part of your brain that limits you and says that you can't yeah. do the same thing now, because there's a lot of things that I look back on and I'm like, Oh, I wish I'd done that, but I could still take that up. And then there's some things where I'm just like, no, you'll always, you'll never, you'll never achieve that in the way that you want to. So don't even yeah. try. So I, I realize now the point I wanted to make earlier, back when I sailed off of that island and abandoned you. I'm sailing back to the island to pick you up. <laughs> the reason that mo movies like this are dangerous for me, so books like Everything Matters or movies like Everything Everywhere All at Once, um, they're dangerous for me because, for me specifically as a person, because they're so life affirming. And mm -hmm. I get so emotional, or I have gotten so emotional at movies where protagonists decide they want to live the life they have. Mm -hmm. and that in itself is not a dangerous thing mm -hmm. but for me i realized i was relying on these media to feel like i wanted the life i had mm -hmm. so when it mm -hmm. came to a movie like this i would walk away from it usually and be like i have to remember i like like this is the life i have and i have to be grateful for right. it but i can't like form a, a media dependence to be grateful for what i have you know um, right 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 so, so that's why movies like this, I love them, but I have to be careful when I notice that I'm watching or reading or listening to a lot of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's interesting. I hadn't thought about it in that in that context because I do think that can be that can be dangerous for anybody is that idea of oh, I just need to be grateful for what I have, right? Like obviously we should be grateful for what we have to a certain extent um well i feel like we're coming down to like why do we tell stories and whoa. for i guess the problem i'm having so i feel like a, a, a story has a lot of different purposes but a purpose i'm kind of touching on is you know lessons right well there's a problem if you know it's fine if i watch everything everywhere all at once i'm trying to learn that lesson of like oh yeah i get to choose my life or whatever but if I don't really intake that lesson and I keep trying to get that lesson over and over again through other things, after a certain mm -hmm. point, I've just got to learn the lesson if, if mm -hmm. that's why I go to that story. Evelyn has this moment with Joy where Joy says, so at this point, they both have full multiversal awareness of everything. Right. And Joy says, you're really going to choose to be here with me when you could be anywhere else, when there's infinity begging for your attention. Yeah. Evelyn says, yes, I choose to be here with you. And that's what gets me. That's what makes mm -hmm. me emotional. Mm -hmm. And you feel like that that could be like a harmful mindset for you? No, not not inherently. It's it's my de dependence on mm. these media mm -hmm. to remember that. Reminders oh, are fine. Okay. Reminders yeah. are good. But there's a difference between getting reminders and having a dependence. That's so, fair. Yeah, uh, if if anyone like takes that away from the movie, I'm not saying you've got a problem. Yeah. I'm saying, <laughs> yeah, from my patterns and what I know, when I find myself like really holding on to a movie like this, like I first did when I watched it, it's because I'm trying to get from it something that I want to have in my own life outside of that film, but is staying right. contained to that film. Right. Yeah, and I think you're right. I think that's part of the reason why we why we make stories and we seek out stories is for those kinds of reminders but that you can become can become dependent on them yeah because because once you do you're living inside a story that isn't yours anymore mm. right like stories mm. are meant to be mirrors they're meant to be immersed a little uh, an, an immersion for us but ultimately we always go back to our own story 
So they should, someone else's story should never become our own. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's mm-hmm. where it becomes, I, I don't want to say problem, but you know what I mean? Yeah. I, th- I think I get what you're saying. It sort of, it intersects with the movie in an interesting way, I think, because part of, part of what Evelyn ends up doing is kind of that, you know, she keeps seeing all these alternate versions of herself. So she sort of, when she first does it she's like oh my god my life was so much better in this other thing i want to live inside exactly exactly Um, so it's 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 almost the same thing yeah my life isn't great expectations and your life isn't tale of two cities and also thank god (laughs) 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 yeah 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 and i can totally see that for you like knowing you like sort of trying to trying to storyfy (laughs) your 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 own life is something that i could i could see you doing and why that could be yeah potentially uh potentially a little a little dicey for you back when i was heavy on the poetry uh man i was mythologizing my own life constantly it was not healthy (laughs) yeah 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 so we were talking about the conclusion of the movie or like what can be taken from it but it's the idea of you know, Evelyn can jump to all these different versions of herself. And when she first jumps to one of these other worlds, she's like, oh, my God, this is so much. This is so much better than my life. I had so much potential and I just wasted it. But of course, in that life, she also has regrets. And that's not to say that that other life is it's not a simple as simple as a, a moral of like oh she's successful but she's she's also sad and therefore the life you have is better no the other life is still good she just also has regrets and things that she feels like she missed out on so i guess what i was thinking about was was that idea of you are always going to have things that you look back on and wonder about but that doesn't necessarily like invalidate the life you're living because that's just sort of a part of human nature and the nature of making choices at all i feel like it will invent it's only invalidated as much as you let it be right because you can invalidate your own life you can look at right. your life and be like what a waste i could have done this this or this right and there's so uh a24 likes to put out merch with its movies and they had an anthology book called the vast pointless gyration of radioactive rocks and gas in which you happen to occur a trip mm-hmm. to the multiverse edited by daniel kwan and daniel Scheinert, so those daniels and in the introduction they talk about how the multiverse is a metaphor for information overload and sensory mm-hmm. overload in the modern age mm-hmm. and i feel like that is so much tied into it in that more now than ever people are wondering how their life could be different because they're right. seeing influencers or they're even just seeing people innocuously posting about their own lives and comparing their own life to it yep. right like oh morden's posting about he's doing a concert oh what about the life where i was a musician oh ron's yep. posting about the climbs he's doing oh what about the life where i was a climber and there is so much exposure to the world to each other to media that there is this uh urge built into the internet because there is this built-in sense of comparison of feeling like you're missing out that you they want you to put yourself in other people's narratives and think about it as your own and wonder how your narrative pales in comparison or doesn't so because there's also the opposite right right the smug end of the spectrum 
where people looked at their own life and smugly looked at other people's lives, like let's say a blue collar worker and go, oh, what a shit life they live. Right. I'm doing so well. And I feel like there's this in-between to be found where you're, you, you have the life you have and maybe you think about the what ifs, maybe you think about how you could have turned out, how it might've been, but you don't invalidate the life you're living because of that. And you don't invalidate other people's lives because right. of that. Back in the day, back in the day, um, when we didn't have all this information overload, when we didn't have everything in the world at our fingertips at all times, and when we weren't seeing all these different lives all the time, we, you know, you might live your whole life in a small town without having any idea that there was any alternative, or you might live your life in a certain kind of relationship because you didn't have any idea that there was any kind of alternative. So is there, there is also the flip side where like seeing that there are other options in life could give you the knowledge that you need to pursue different things in your life, right? There are things that you don't know are possible unless you see somebody else doing them. So there, there is a potential positive of that. And then there is also yeah. what you were talking about. So there is, there is a thing that I think about in the movie, which is sort of like imagining the future for somebody like Evelyn, where, you know, is there a possibility where, despite how overwhelming everything was in, in regards to her, like seeing her alternative selves, there's also something kind of encouraging, weirdly, about being like, Yes, there are worlds in which I could have done all these things. And that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to try to do any of those things. But it gives me the knowledge that, like, I have potential and I have options, if that makes sense. Yeah, I feel like the multiverse is a lens that amplifies whatever perspective the person brings to it. Mm, so mm -hmm. if you're cynical if you're full of regret if you're full of what ifs when you look at the multiverse you think about all the lives you didn't live if you bring empathy towards it you'll see how your life could have ended up so many different ways and end up like the person right next to you mm. so it, i think honestly the great thing about this movie i mean the daniels put such a positive slant on it but what you bring to it is what you get out of it really right truly and that's um, what and that's what Waymond that's sort of like what Wayman's thing is all about is I got, I love that speech so much where he's talking about, you know, I know you think I'm, I'm naive for seeing the good in things, but you know, I've experienced as much as you have. It's not because I'm naive. It is what it, how do they say it? Cause it's so good. It is strategic and necessary. Um, and, and I really love that, that, that idea that it's like, yeah, no being, being kind and, optimistic is what he said optimistic is not necessarily a naive point of view it can be very 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 practical that's the thing you were talking about where it's like it it you get out of it what you put into it in some ways and and if you bring kindness um then you you might get it back i guess yeah good job daniels cool good movie yeah good, good movie, movie. Good movie. Five stars. Hey, 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 Ron and Morden like it. You get the Apocalypse's Now stamp of approval. It's what everybody's looking for these days. Uh, Unkillable Being? Insert jingle here.
the unkillable being. But up, but up, unkillable. But up, but but up, being. But up, but but unkillable. But up, but 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 be be being. So, thank you for the inspo. So. The unkillable being. What is it you asked, audience? Uh, I will answer. Every episode, at the end of every episode, when we're when we run out of shit to say, we <laughs> we go to the unkillable being. So uh, the unkillable being is uh, being Morden and I have been equipping with each movie and each apocalypse with the tools to eventually become unkillable. Uh, with each movie, we give it. We each give it one trait for it to survive that apocalypse with the idea being at the very end of this podcast far past the riches and glory that morden and i get from our podcast empire the unkillable being will be truly indestructible from all these apocalypses it has yes. weathered it can survive so, anything exactly uh morden can you tell the audience what the unkillable being got last time from our last viewing of finch no, I cannot. You fake as fuck, boy. Okay, I got I the. Don't I remember the... even in the slightest. I'm so sorry. It's <laughs> been seven years since we recorded that. <laughs> it's been like four months. Okay, he uh, from the movie Finch, the unkillable being, got a 1984 Fleetwood Southward, and <laughs> and this is the next one is your pick, which I still pick a bone with. It's an album collection of cassette tapes, and there's ten of them. And somehow that helps them survive the apocalypse. Whatever. Okay, whatever. <laughs> I'm sure I had a good reason. We've determined that I'm a power gamer and Morden's here for the for the ridics. I'm trying so, I'm trying to nerf this thing. And I'm trying to buff it, so I guess it evens out. <laughs> Ron's always like, I'm, the unkillable being should have the power to destroy asteroids with its mind. And I'm always like, what if they had a cool CD? <laughs> Morgan, I'm looking at the last five episodes and I realize every one that I consider practically useful is from me. And every meme one <laughs> is from you. <laughs> Look, I'm just trying to keep things even. You're trying to kill this thing. I'm trying to be true. <laughs> Look. We're, you know, we're going to run this podcast for a long time, maybe. You and say this every time. You say this every time, every episode. Audience, up to this point, I did an editing marathon. And in that span, I saw more than every time just say, it's a long podcast. We're going to eventually give it something cool. This is the movie. I dare you, Morden. Give it something cool. This is such a I weird I am going to give it something cool, okay. but you're not going to like it. Okay, before before we jump into what we give the unkillable being... So audiences, uh, here are the rules. It has to live, it has to be a reasonable thing within that world. So that is kind of, <laughs> there's no limit when it comes to this movie. <laughs> that's true, that's true. <laughs> this is the one for you where you can just pick whatever the fuck you want. But obviously we don't want to make it OP. We don't want to ruin the fun of the game, right? Like even with this movie, we can't just say immortality because that would that would yeah, ruin yeah. the fun of the game. So it has to specifically help with the apocalypse in this movie. And be found, be reasonable within the world of this movie. And uh, Morden and I each have to give it one. So Morden, can you, you run know what them you through everything that it has so far? <clears throat> From the Mitchells versus the Machines, a pet pug and basic computer skills. From Invasion of the Body Snatchers, it's got theater training slash a good poker face and also a fifty dollars Starbucks gift card. From Love and Monsters, it's got sketchbook and colored pencils as well as good marksmans marksmanship. From Don't Look Up, it's got infiltration skills and a successful EP. 
And from Finch, it's got a 1984 Fleetwood Southward and an album collection of 10 cassette tapes. Gee, I wonder where those music ones came from. Was there a, was there a, I feel like there was an episode where we were like, oh, we've just created a Brooklyn hipster. Oh, we say that every episode. Okay, good. (laughs) I mean, I know what I want, but I swear to God, if you say it, I'll be upset. Okay. You're, you're gonna, I'm sure you're gonna argue with me on this one. But my suggestion is, oh God, kindness. No. <laughs> nope. Nope. It's literally the it. thing that saves the world it. in this movie. We're not doing it's it. Literally, We're not the doing quality it. that saves the world is kindness. We're not doing it, you fucker. We're kindness. Not. <laughs> And a sense of humor. That is what saves the world in this movie. No! No, I don't even know where the sense of humor... Oh, but that's like on a meta level. No, I refuse. It has to be tangible. It has to be a tangible skill. You're saying kindness isn't something that you work at and do purposefully every day to better the lives of your fellow human beings, you heartless bitch? (laughs) When was anyone ever kind to me? Okay, I'll All right, you do, grant you, you, you do yours, uh, and then we'll come back to mine. I'll grant you that Daniel said that the movie was about kindness. So, like, I see what you're saying, but god damn it, Morgan, I'm thinking about the merch. How can we make it so <laughs> obvious that the uncovered being has kindness? We give uh, them kind eyes. I mean, what does it mean if we don't give them kindness, that they're just kind of robotic in their demeanor? They, yeah. They're not, but, but it's not fair to say that they'd be heartless otherwise. To the, that's just like a minus. See what I'm saying? I don't think. I think it's entirely possible to be a functional being that is not kind, but is not necessarily like an asshole. You do yours. You do yours. We'll come back to mine. Okay. So one of the verses that uh, Evelyn readily draws from is the Kung Fu world. So at one point, uh, she's struggling about to be blown up from a grenade and all she has free are her pinkies. And they say in the other verse, her sensei says, anything can be Kung Fu. Even this cookie can be Kung Fu. Even your pinky can be Kung Fu. So I want to equip the unkillable being with a Kung Fu pinky. I think it's powerful. It it packs a punch, but it's also confined to the pinky. Come on, Morgan. Kung Fu Pinky. I can maybe get on board with Kung Fu Pinky. One one Kung Fu Pinky. Are you kidding me? Out of everything I could have said, I could have said they have access to their multiversal cells. I said I could do it. A single kung fu pinky sounds good to me. I am now. I agree. Now I want to. I want to make this fight now. What? What would you say to? No, 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 no. I'm being being kind. I'm being (laughs) kind. What would you say if I said access to multiversal selves? No, 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 no. Why? That's way too OP. Oh my God. Why? Why is it OP? Because it could be anything. Okay. So if I let you do kindness, would you let me do multiversal selves? No. (laughs) Oh, that's not fair. (laughs) How is that not fair? Just kindness, we're basically giving it one steal. If we give it kindness and multiversal selves, we're giving it one steal. No, we're not. What? <laughs> How does that make any sense? Oh, my God. I want the unkillable being to be nice, but 
but for everything everywhere all at once i i don't want to make kind one of the traits well then that means that you don't value the real message of the movie you're just all about the fights and the and the kung fu and the whatever and i already said that you could have your kung fu fucking pinky Okay, I'm open. Walk me through how the kindness could help the unkillable being specifically. Well, obviously it helped in this universe. Kindness means being able to form allies with other mm. people. If okay. you are if you are kind, other people will, other survivors might want to be around you. Okay. Um kindness is a is strategic and necessary. How did it help in this movie? What do you mean? How did it help? No, in this no, no, movie? no, no, no. I'm. I know how it helped. I'm asking you to fucking spell it out for the audience. Oh, okay. <laughs> um. <laughs> so Wayman tells her to be kind. If nothing else, be kind, and she uses that to win the battle against all of her opponents in a way that she wasn't able to do by uh with any of her other skills. Because what she is able to do is give her opponents things that make them happy, right? She she makes one of the uh, people coming after her um, smell his wife's perfume. Um, who had she, passed away. Who had passed, yeah, who had passed away. She um, get, spanks a guy's ass and puts a ball gag in his mouth because he's really into BDSM. Um, by the way, that's one of the Daniels. I don't know if you knew that. Are you serious? Yeah. That's oh one of the my Daniels. God, that's and, Daniel Shinert. Oh. Yeah, that's Daniel Shinert. I just realized when I was watching it just now, I was like, holy shit, that's Daniel Shinert. Um, oh, really quick. Did you know who voiced Rakakuni? Randy Newman. Randy Newman. <laughs> Randy fucking Newman, dude. It's so good. Um, so yeah, she, she uses, uh, she uses kindness to defeat her opponents. You know, kindness is better than what I thought you were going to say. What, what did you think I was going to say? I thought you were going to say hot dog fingers. No, because that's not helpful within the movie. That's explicitly not helpful within the movie. Yeah, it is, because then she gets really good with her feet. Oh, yeah, no, 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 no. I was never going to say that. I get that it's OP, but I, if there was an element of verse jumping we could include, I'd love it just because that's like distinctly everything everywhere all at once. But yeah, I but get that's it. that's also, that's the obvious thing. Like that's the main power in everything everywhere all at once. So I feel like that's, that's the obvious choice. I don't want to do the obvious choice. What about? You made a choice that I thought was good and I agree with, and now you're not on board for it. What about hot dog fingers? No, they're not helpful. They're specifically not helpful. Damn it. I want the verse in here. Uh... But plug trophy. <laughs> that, that does... No. <laughs> Taxes. <laughs> you're, you're just naming things that are in the movie. Okay. Let's slot it in, I guess. Yeah, I'm down. Okay, so we've got Kung Fu Pinky and Kindness. <laughs> uh, before we sign off, I want to read one of the poems they included in um, Vast Gyrations. Do it. This poem is Good Bones by Maggie Smith. Life is short, though I keep this from my children. Life is short, and I've shortened mine in a thousand delicious, ill-advised ways. 
A thousand deliciously ill-advised ways I'll keep from my children. The world is at least 50% terrible, and that's a conservative estimate, though I keep this from my children. For every bird, there is a stone thrown at a bird. For every loved child, a child broken, bagged, sunk in a lake. Life is short, and the world is at least half terrible. And for every kind stranger, there is one who would break you, though I keep this from my children. I am trying to sell them the world. Any decent realtor, walking you through a real shithole, chirps on about good bones. This place could be beautiful, right? You could make this place beautiful. With that, thank you for tuning in to Apocalypses Now. We know you could have been in any verse, so thank you for joining us in this one. Absolutely. My name is Ron. My name is Morgan. And that's the end of the podcast. Stay, stay, stay frosty out there. Stay bageled, my friends. <laughs>